Hello and welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. It's football season and our topic today is the team physician. I'm Dr. Sherwin Ho from the University of Chicago and my guest today is Dr. Pierce Scranton, a practicing orthopedic surgeon, ex-president of the NFL Physician Society, former team physician for the Seattle Seahawks, and author of Playing Hurt, Treating and Evaluating the Warriors of the NFL. Pierce, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for taking the time to talk to our physician audience here on ReachMD. My pleasure. Let's start out with the title of our segment, The Team Physician. It's a term we hear every day, but perhaps one that may not mean the same thing to all of our listeners. What, in fact, is a team physician? Well, a team physician, Sherwin, is the doctor that has overall responsibility for care of the team. Uh, At the high school level, it may just be a family doctor who does physicals and is available on the sidelines. At the collegiate level, usually there are several doctors. And in the NFL, the head team physician similarly has overall responsibility for allocating health care needs for the team, including strength conditioning, uh, the internal medicine evaluation program, cardiac uh, uh, issues, you know, cardiac arrhythmias, neurologic consults, and there may actually be three or four consulting physicians who uh, could be calling themselves team physician for a professional team, but there's only one head physician. And that was you with the Seahawks. That is correct. So what prompted you to go into sports medicine and become a team physician in the first place? It was an interesting evolution. Uh, you know, I was incredibly naive you know, going into college and thought I wanted to be a forest ranger. But I, I love sports, and I love biology, and I love science. And I did very well at sports at, at a Division two school. And it uh, just so happened that I wound up uh, leaning towards pre-med. And then I became interested in athletic injuries since I'd had my own fair share during uh, four years of collegiate athletics. And the next thing I knew, I was an orthopedic surgeon. And during my residency, I was covering high school teams, uh, eighth graders and ninth graders at the University of Pittsburgh for the city of Pittsburgh school system. That evolved into high school. Then the University of Pittsburgh for three years, uh, I, I either assisted or was a head physician from 1977 through 79. And then I moved out to Seattle where I joined a group that uh, actually at the time I joined them, I didn't realize they were taking care of the Seahawks, but they knew what I did, and that was actually why they wanted me. So it was it was an interesting evolution, and it's sort of, uh, you know, if you just sort of go with the stream downstream and don't fight the current, you wind up where you belong. Excellent. Um, speaking of the group that you joined, uh, back in the day, how did they actually uh, come to take care of the Seahawks? Most of the team physicians uh, in the 60s and the 70s that I was aware of, you know, they had owners. Uh, all of the teams had owners. And uh, the owners would usually, at least in the Seattle area, they pick, they pick the most prominent uh, group of orthopedic surgeons. And it so happened in 1976 when the Seahawks were formed that uh, Elmer Nordstrom and the uh, Nordstrom family, who were the original principal owners of the Seattle Seahawks, obtained their care from our clinic. And uh, we had been probably the most prominent group in the Seattle area at that time. And we wound up taking care of both the Mariners and the Seahawks. And that, of course, is the uh, Nordstrom's uh, that my wife and your wife is. You bet. We've both lost a lot of money to them. (laughs) To the Nordstrom's (laughs) in support of the Seahawks. Yes. 
So what you're saying is uh, traditionally the owner would uh, choose the orthopedic surgeon or the orthopedic group that uh, he was familiar with or felt was the best group in town and ask them to take care of the team. That process has changed to a certain degree uh, in our in age. And uh, tell me how that process has changed since you were with the Seahawks. It was an interesting and in, in what I would call a disappointing evolution. It started probably where it became very blatant was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. When they started their team, at that point in time, a lot of plans, uh, Health South, Columbia, Humana, and so forth, all were starting to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, we could really ride on the notoriety of these athletes, and we should get our doctors there. And that way we can advertise and say our doctors are the best doctors because they take care of the team. And the Jaguars, uh, I, I really don't know the monetary numbers involved and, you know, don't even want to speculate, but I, I know it was a lot of money. They required the team physician to pay X number of dollars for the right to say that they were the team physician. And pretty soon that practice spread as one owner looked at you know this model and said, you're kidding me. You mean you make the doctors pay? And pretty soon the practice came to be that you had to buy advertising in Game Day magazine and you had to buy a luxury box. And then for that privilege, you could take care of the club and you would also, in the advertising, you know, promote yourself as the team physician for a professional team, whether it's hockey or basketball or you know, Major League Baseball, and the practice became widespread. The interesting evolution of that was a very good friend of mine who was the team physician for the Kansas City Chiefs wound up meeting with the NFL Players Association, which actually hardly ever happened, but they met uh, just at a conference and uh, Gene Upshaw and the Players Association informed my friend that, you know, as far as the Players Association were concerned, the NFL team physicians had no credibility, that they were nothing more than, you know, pawns uh, of management paying for the right to take care of the club, and that pretty much the attitude of both the agents and the NFL Players Association was that if a player suffered a major injury, they needed to get them away from that team to someone who was actually interested in the best interest of the patient. So the outcome of that was the new commissioner, Goodell, formulated a policy mandating that no team physician in any way, shape, or form be coerced into paying for the right to be the team physician. So we've kind of come full circle so that uh, you know the teams can't milk money out of a doctor anymore uh, just for the right. And the interesting corollary to that, too, was HIPAA because no longer will you have big press conferences by doctors telling what happened to such and such a player because that really represents a violation of, of that Patient Privacy Act. And now you never see anything about injuries other than an injury report and the fact that the medical team was out on the field attending to a player and no other information is released generally other than their questionable, doubtful, or their antecedent-ending injury. So it's kind of an interesting evolution over the last 25 years. So you think with this new rule change by uh, the new commissioner, Mr. Goodell, that uh, perhaps this will put an end to the uh, pay-to-play, so to speak, uh, of hospitals or medical groups paying for the right to be the official health care sponsor for a, a team or and, and thus provide the team position? I'm not sure what will happen. And remember, the NFL has tended to lead 
you know, for example, the NFL was the first to institute steroid testing, and the other professional teams only just now, 20 years later, are starting to come on board. And the NFL has instituted this policy. I'm not sure the degree to which there is enforcement. You know, I'm, I'm out of the league at this point in time. In fact, Sherwin, that's why we're having this conversation, because most NFL teams now have a gag order on their physicians, and they're prohibited from discussing anything about the NFL. But be that as it may, it doesn't mean that Major League Baseball, the NBA, or other teams are still demanding that. And it doesn't mean that someone, say, who has a grandfathered contract where, for example, Health South, just to pick a name, had agreed to pay for five years, say, the Redskins for the, the right to provide the team physician and advertise that that contract wouldn't still be in effect. You know, so I would say it is a great first step, but the degree to which it's going to be enforced and the degree to which it will be accepted by other professional sports organizations remains to be seen. In addition to the professional athletes, I'm sure you've taken care of high school and collegiate athletes, as many of our listeners might be doing. In your opinion, what's the biggest difference between taking care of a high school athlete compared with a professional athlete? Well, there are a number of uh, issues. One is is that the amateur athlete or the high school athlete is not being paid by anybody. And I know very few teenagers that will tolerate pain at all. Uh, so, for example, in the NFL, it would not at all be uncommon for me to, say, shoot up somebody's dislocated finger that would be strapped up so that they could play, to shoot up a big bone bruise, a hip pointer, a cracked rib, uh a hematoma on the anterior tibial shin, you know, where they had been leg whipped, say, in the game before, and they're dealing with a bone bruise. And these are all things where you're taking a little risk, but minimal risk. And if you could just block out the pain for a two and a half, three hour period of time, that athlete can perform at a very high level, you know, professionally. Now, if you move down to the high school level, you know, to say block a cracked rib in a high school athlete, recognizing they're being paid nothing and that, uh, in fact, if they took a wrong hit from a helmet or something, they could have a pneumothorax, you know, collapse their lung. Now we're talking significant risks. And uh, most high school athletic associations prohibit the use of injections. You know, for example, in the state of Washington, it, it is law that if a high school athlete has a concussion, only a neurologist can clear that athlete again to play. And that is dependent upon the neurologist's judgment. And it's not a matter of just sitting out a game or, you know, recognizing how many fingers the doctor's holding up. Uh, usually there'll be neurologic testing and MRI involved. And, you know, at the, at the professional level, there are, are rule changes sort of like, and by the rules I mean that is the judgment calls and and guidelines that you would want to carry out to provide prudent care. You know, an athlete that can, say, participate in a playoff game with a cracked rib and who's wearing a flak jacket and is protected may be the difference between you going to the Super Bowl and not making it to the Super Bowl. And it may be the difference, if you don't make it, of the entire coaching staff being fired by an angry owner the next year. And for the athlete themselves, there are all kinds of performance bonuses. There, uh, in their contract, are 
game day dressing bonuses. So even if they don't play, if they're available to play and dressed on the field, that might be the difference of $50,000, you know, just by being available. And then if they actually step on the field, maybe that's $100,000 in their paycheck. And most athletes will say, hey, where's that needle, Doc? But in the high school venue, these are amateur young kids, and, and to deal with pain uh, and shoot them up, I think is, is wrong in this day and age. Pierce, I want to thank you for being my guest on ReachMD. This is Dr. Sherwin Ho, and my guest today has been Dr. Pierce Scranton, former team physician for the Seattle Seahawks and author of Playing Hurt, Treating and Evaluating the Warriors of the NFL. We hope you'll be able to join us on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For questions and comments, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.